Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanovsky with you again, learning tractate Sukkah, page 26. On today's page, we'll continue our discussion of the principle of Osek mitzvah, Patur Mina Mitzvah, that one who is involved in one mitzvah performance should devote him or herself to that and need not stop to do another mitzvah when it comes along, uh, especially as it relates to Sukkah, the mitzvah of dwelling in a Sukkah for these seven days. Then we'll move on to talk about uh, a, a common mitzvah that has certain legal analogies to the mitzvah of sukkah, and that is the mitzvah of tefillin. And with that, we'll get to talk about everyone's favorite topic, sex. All right, so speaking of the principle of osek mitzvah, osek ba mitzvah, patur min ha mitzvah, we see an, a rather amazing teaching, very surprising. Uh, Amar Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya, kotvei sefarim tefillinu mezuzot, Hen v'tigre, hen v'tigre tigrehem, v'chol ha'oskim b'mlechet shamayim, la'atuye mochre techelet, peturin mikriyat shma, u'min ha'tfila, u'min ha'tfili, u'mikol ha'mitzvot ha'amurot v'atorah. Rabbi Hananya ben, ben Akavya says that the scribes who write Torah scrolls and tefillin and mezuzot, and the dealers involved in that business, and the other middlemen and the you know the dealers of the dealers of the dealers and everybody who is engaged in melechet uh, shamayim God's work, including latuye mochrei techelet, including those who sell the blue thread for the for the tzitzit. You know, in ancient times, uh, talis had not white strings but three white strings and one blue string. That that is coming back into usage nowadays. All those people, if you're in if you are in the ritual articles business in any level. You are exempt from reciting Shema at the time you're in the business, uh, reciting the Amidah when you're in the business, or wearing Tefillin, and in fact from all positive mitzvot from the Torah. It of course doesn't mean that you are now free to eat pork, or that you are now free to steal, or something like that. It just means that you don't have to do the, the, um, the active ritual mitzvot. Uh, to which one can only say, Huh? What do you mean if you if you have if you I live in New York if you mean the guys at Westside Judaica technically don't need to ever do any mitzvot because they're selling ritual articles that would appear to be what this text actually says although it's clearly bizarre and by the time this reaches the hands of modern legal codifiers what they they restrict it to first of all in the Shulchan Aruch what it says is they don't have to put on tefillin except while davening. Clearly, what that means by the time this reaches the 16th century with the Shulchan Aruch is the assumption is that they actually will daven, but they don't have to in non-davening times wear their tefillin. And what the commentators on the Shulchan Aruch will say is that if people are in those businesses for the sake of the mitzvah, as opposed to for the sake of the prophets, for the sake of the commerce, that's who this very special ruling applies to. But not just a guy who happens to have a store who is trying to, to make a buck. Now, I, I can't imagine that somebody who has such a store is not trying to make a buck. So, in other words, according to the Magen Avraham and other commentators on our Shulchan Aruch page, 
this is not a practical ruling. This is, however, at least a theoretical ruling because the principle still attends that if you're pursuing one mitzvah, you need not stop to do other mitzvah. So I guess what you'd have to say is that the Chabad guys, the Lubavitch guys who stop you on the street to ask if you put on tefillin, they themselves don't necessarily have to put on tefillin because uh, their whole job is helping you do it. Our page will go on to detail what it means to say that travelers and mitzvah doers need not dwell in the sukkah. Um, if you're going off to hear a Torah lecture or to greet your rabbi for the holidays, then it's, it's stated here that uh, you don't necessarily have to sleep in the sukkah. If you are a city watchman, you don't have to sleep in the sukkah while on duty. Uh, if you are guarding somebody's private uh, orchard, you don't have to sleep in the sukkah. Uh, while on duty because as one of the sages say, Rava says you're just inviting the thieves to come if you go into the sukkah. The Gemara will go on and talk about how sick people need not sleep in the sukkah and gives a number of examples that are really quite lenient. Uh, you don't have to be deathly ill. It says it's not even a chole sheyesh bosakana. It's not a, somebody who has a dangerous illness. It's, it's anybody. And for example, so-and-so was permitted uh, uh, Rav Achabardala was permitted by Rav to sleep outside the sukkah because of the mosquitoes and somebody else because he had a headache and somebody else because he couldn't stand the smell of the what they what they put on the floor of the sukkah to make it smooth. Now, if you remember, yesterday we noted that the Mishnah, and we'll talk about this even even more uh, even more tomorrow. Uh, we noted that the Mishnah permits achilat arai, occasional eating, that is to say, a snack, outside the sukkah. But our page today will say, but not occasional sleeping. Sleeping is something that just must happen in the sukkah. In our corner of the world, up in New York, that's not always practiced. And up in the cold, it's not always practiced because, as our page will say, hamitzta'er patur min sukkah If it's difficult, if it's painful, uh, you, you don't have to stay in the sukkah. The rabbis have a an essentially good attitude that to the observance of the mitzvah should be pleasant and beautiful and not and not onerous. So if it's raining, if it's freezing, you don't have to sleep in the sukkah. But their assumption, certainly back in in uh, the Middle East in ancient times, in October and September, it wasn't agonizing. So people should sleep in the sukkah and they should not sleep outside the sukkah, even for a short nap. This is a functional parallel to the mitzvah of tefillin, which you are also not supposed to sleep in. You're not supposed to sleep while wearing tefillin, uh, although you are permitted to sleep shenat arai, a little nap. You can't lie down for the night wearing tefillin, but a little nap is okay. The reason might strike contemporary readers or contemporary students as a little funny. Uh, you're not supposed to pass gas while wearing tefillin, and if you sleep, you're out of control of that particular function, so you're very likely to pass gas. Oops, excuse me. But if you uh, only have a little nap, we can assume that that won't happen. At the bottom of Amud Aleph, on the, the A side of the page, we'll get a little bit more specific and tell three different occasions. Uh, in one text it says you cannot sleep. You can sleep arai but not keva. You can sleep a nap but not the, the whole night. One says you can sleep either arai or keva. You can, you can even sleep shnat keva. Uh, a, full, a full night's sleep in one text says, no, you cannot even take a little snooze. Well, what are the three circumstances? You cannot even take a little snooze if you're holding your tefillin in your hand. They might drop. And if you're wearing them on your head and your arm, you can take a little nap. And if you uh, take them off but 
put them underneath a little a little scarf, a little cover. Uh, you're not actually technically still wearing them at all, but then you can go ahead and sleep because, as Rashi says, people have to sleep. And lo nitzna Torah lemalachei hasharet. The Torah is not given to angels; it's given to embodied human beings who need to sleep once in a while. So you should uh, you should go ahead and sleep with them under a cover. On the bet side of the page, the theme is continued, and we learn that uh, in the name of Rabbi Natan, if you're going to take a nap, you can but need not remove your tefillin, and if you're going to sleep for the night, you must remove your tefillin. Rabbi Yossi says, if, however, we're speaking about a young man, whether for a nap or for the night sleep, certainly must remove your tefillin. Why? Well, we learn that uh, that young men with their wives, whether for naps or for the evening, are likely to find themselves in sexual situations, and that they are going to behave as people behave, so you must take off your tefillin. There's a concept called balkeri, which is somebody who is a man who's had a seminal emission, and the rabbis are divided between whether or not someone who's had such a seminal emission should do ritual actions. Uh, the halakha is that, that, that having an ejaculation doesn't necessarily prevent you from doing ritual actions, but that, that taking a stringency on yourself after such an event is a really desirable thing. Maimonides, several hundred years after the Gemara, will, will, <coughs> will write that he's impressed with Muslim people who take that very practice, but it's not strictly speaking a rule. Um, but our page says, let's say you forget and you actually do have sex while wearing tefillin, Tanu Rabbanan, shachach v'shimesh mitato batfilin. You went ahead and did it while wearing tefillin, had sex. What, what do you do next? Eino ochez lo baritzua v'lo You shouldn't, at that point, touch either the straps or the boxes, the cubes of the tefillin themselves. Achi yadav, you should go wash your hands, v'it lem, uh, and then you should take, uh, then you should take them off. Uh, because hands are active. That is to say, you've been touching each other in all the most intimate places, and so you shouldn't now touch your tefillin after sexual touching. Okay, an interesting page today. Look forward to studying with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epicorus album One Bead. Available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.